We are tonight's entertainment. You can't handle the truth. The fire rises. Pizza time. You're a wizard, Harry. So it be. You know how much I sacrifice? You think that's air you're breathing? Groovy. I don't have friends. I got family. We services. Hey Trent. Hi Parth. Happy birthday. Thank you. I was going to say we're um, entering into this episode with uh, a special day. I, I hate to have given away your punchline, but it's, nah, but it's, it's your okay. birthday. By the time the episode's released, it'll be days past that point, but right now we can relish. Yes. Relish and mustard and ketchup, you know. I've completed 22 years around the sun. How is How has it been so far? Have you learned anything? Uh, you know, I was on the phone with Sophia last night, like, as it was going to turn into my birthday, and she was like, any last words for your 21st year? And I was like, well, my 21st year was pretty good. Like, probably one of my best years. So, like, that's a good thing, you know? So, going in to my 22nd year, pretty positively. Yeah. That's good. It's hard to... I've never been able to reflect at the end of a year and been like, this was a good year or this was a bad year. But I guess in terms of how much fun you're supposed to have at different phases of your life, I think at least theoretically this is supposed to be an influx. Yeah. Um, so I'm, gl- I'm, I'm glad you're, you're, you're living out the American dream, more or less. But speaking of an influx, sort of things entering in mm. and eventually leaving out. And eventually fluxing. Yeah. yeah. Um. What have you been eating most recently? <clears throat> I had to think about it because I haven't eaten anything today because it's the morning time. But uh, I scratched my brain, and last night we had our final HelloFresh meal, and it was one pan, easy pr- preparation tortillas. Oh, little, little, little quesadillas. Very nice. Um, but yeah, my parents have been gracious enough to have us give us HelloFresh for the past few months, but this was the last one because you're moving out I- soon. End of the school year, moving out, studying abroad. They don't want to pay for it anymore. What do you think? Very nice. What about you? Um, as it's my birthday, a friend of the show and roommate of mine, Chloe Ditloff. From the uh, King of Staten Island episode? Yes. Um, and Drunk Pod. Um, yep. Gave me a little birthday present. Uh, when I opened the fridge, I saw Happy Birthday Parth. Uh, that note on top of a bowl, f- an acai bowl from Pliables. Wow, that's kind of like the best thing I've ever heard. I know, and I so I had that for like, I guess like brunch ish, um, and it was very good. I feel like acai is a fake word. Is that what is that? Is that like the the berry like reddish purplish? That's like I mean that's what I have, but Trent, that, that, I could not tell you. That that's what I have as well. I, I get half acai, half uh, coconut, because I mm. like to use coconut because it's a real word, unlike acai. It probably is, but I like to throw stones. It's only come into the public consciousness in the past, like, ten years. So we've really felt the before and after of acai. Do you think pliables and, like, that whole craze will go, like frozen yogurt? or do you think I, I feel like it's gone. I feel like it hit its max already. I agree it's on the down, da- it's, like, on a slow decline. But, uh, like... Yeah, but I mean, as far as it not being there at all anymore, like that, I don't know. But I really, I feel, I remember when it was like, we're going to go to pliables. I remember when it was like, we're going to go get frozen yogurt and then we're going to weigh it. Yeah. 
Yeah. That was we a big should weigh, thing. We should, oh, we should base all of our food off of weight. Yeah. Um, I, I can feel you wanting to transition. It's not just that I want to transition. It's that I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, you keep trying to find a way in. Like, I, yeah, I keep trying to, like, what do we say that'll just do you, get us? Do you want us? me to, like, throw you a softball? Uh, yeah. I, like, I've just been having this thing recently where, like, I can't focus unless I hear, like, a really good, concise, succinct, like, 15 to 20 second jingle. Like, before I, like, talk, before I talk about a film or interview someone, I just like to, like, get in the zone and there's really only, like, one way. Trent, I mean, I have good Dude, news for you. Really? I'm yeah. talking to the right I, person? You're talking to the right person that can cue the intro. Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week we talk about a film and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. This week, we are on our third and final part of our interview with... Mark Andrews, the head of story for our film, Brad Bird's The Incredibles, and he's worked on such other projects as Samurai Jack, Iron Giant, and he is our second Academy Award winning guest, and he was the co-director on Brave, which won Best Animated Feature Film. And we talked to, to him about a whole array of topics. Yeah, and you'll get to hear in this section of the interview, he gives, I think, our longest answer to what's the last great film you've watched. He oh, gave, he just, like, kept going. Yeah, uh, I was very surprised that he remembered so many of the movies that he uh, liked so much recently. Um, but, you know, we like a long answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, this is our third part. The last two parts are up right now. You should go listen to those uh, if you haven't already. But if, you know, if you would rather just stay be, here. It'd probably be a logical, you know, lead up build up to this yes um but you could always sort of do like a christopher nolan type of thing and it's just Memento, sort of out of around. order out of order yeah the sideways sideways parabola yes wow you remembered yes yeah, so uh, i don't know is there anything we should do before cutting into this interview uh no have an incredible time uh, see what I did there. Um, mm. stick around until the end. Parth and I will tell you what's coming up next. And so, without further ado, here's our final part of our Mark Andrews interview. Cue the interview. So I'm pretty kind of amazed to hear that when you start talking about the correction in Incredibles, I was like, oh, like, no way that this is a common thing. And then you said that your other movies, too, they just needed some resetting. So is this happening in pre-production and someone's like, the script isn't all the way there yet and we're trying to figure it out? Or is it right. like, or is it like you're handed the script? And then collectively, everyone's like emergency mode. We need to make big changes. Sure, sure, right. That's a great question. There's no magic bullet. Ultimately, at the end of the day, and everybody thinks that there is. Everybody's trying to head off the pain and agony it is to tell a story, right? So that's why we check the outline, right? First, you have to do an outline. Is the outline working? 
how do you know if the outline's working? It's not the film. Let's do a script. The script. Does the script working? How, how do you know the script's working? The script is not the fucking film. All the people who win Academy Awards for Best Adapted Screenplay and Original Screenplay, it's a lie. It's not their work. I mean, talented writers, absolutely, for sure. But that's not what you're seeing on screen. That's not the script that greenlit the film that people start working at, that the editor changed, the actors changed. You found stuff as you were doing it, right? What everybody's reading in the Academy is the conformed script, right? So the script isn't the movie. The only thing that's the movie is the movie, right? It's like a doctor. You're coughing. <coughs> What's wrong? I've got a cough. So you're unwell. That's correct. How do you make me better? The doctor doesn't go take a couple aspirin and call me in the morning, right? The doctor investigates. Where is it coming from? This, that, and the other thing, right? they got to get in there and understand how you're sick, Right? We have to do the story completely in as much context as we can, like Steve Jobs said when he walks out. Why don't we just show that? He said that because he just saw a movie. He didn't say storyboards. It was an assembly of pictures. It wasn't a slideshow. He got it because Brad throws in all the context. I get very passionate about talking about this because this is the thing about making stories. The more you can get to the context, the more you could actually make the movie, not a previs of the movie, not a ghost of the movie, not a rough of the make the goddamn movie, then you can look and see that what it needs, right? Because you're looking at it in context. You could give me all the notes on the script that you possibly can. It's not going to make it any better. Sure, some things will show, right? It will point some things out in every phase. Outline, script, storyboard, something's going to show, absolutely, because in each case you're adding more and more context, but you're not complete yet, right? So you have to find a method that lets you make the movie almost completely done. So all the important stuff that is actually the ingredients of making a good story then you can actually truly evaluate what you have, right? Say, this is great or this isn't working because then those notes get surgical. They're not general, like the super general note of, your hero isn't likable. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? That makes, because you haven't seen the movie. We haven't shown you that, you know what I mean? I mean, a camera move after somebody says, you know, Trent, your cat died, right? In a storyboard, if you don't have that camera move, it may fall flat, right? But if you have that camera move pushing in, so I can relate to this pain and what you're possibly thinking right now, right? In the midst of you on a date, all of a sudden it's works, right? You don't need to second guess it. And that's what most, 80% of the notes in the industry are second guessing because there's not enough context, right? So it's a it's a big, big, big deal that filmmakers and storytellers, we have to go through these notes, right? And I disagree, I disagree, I disagree, you know. And so we did this thing at, at, at Pixar and Brave, right? So I'm doing Brave. There's this, there's this great thing, actually, for good and bad. It's a double-edged sword. When you open up 
your story so that everybody who works at the company can take a shot at you, right? Anybody can give notes, right? Let's We're all inclusive. Anybody give notes, right? Most people aren't storytellers, right? So they don't give good notes, right? And so I got, we showed the first thing in Brave, and I got a stack of paper that was about four feet tall, individual emails that came in all printed out, right? And I start reading them, and everything is negative. I didn't like, I didn't like, I didn't like, I didn't like. You know what you could do instead? You know what you could do instead? You know what you could do instead? It's like, that isn't helpful, right? That doesn't, doesn't point me to any direction. Anybody could not like something. Right? Not liking something is not a good note. <laughs> right? It's the most awful note you could possibly give. And it and it is not constructive. And neither is I like it. That's not a good note either. You know? If you like it, great. Somebody else could not like it, and then where are you? It's a zero sum game. So I worked with my fantastic PA, story manager, coordinator who had to cull, cull through all these notes. I said, this is what I want. What did you like? What didn't you like? Where were you confused? Right? And that was the email we sent out to anybody to teach people how to give notes. Right? That this is the, we're going to form, we're going to format the feedback. Right? In this very simple thing that when you give notes, you go to this thing at, at Pixar and you pull up this file that has those three questions, right? And guess what I did? I cut out those first two damn questions. I ignored them completely. Did you like it? Did you not like it? So all I was left with was, where were you confused? Because that is not subjective. It's completely objective. I didn't get it, right? I didn't get it because you hated it, you know? And so then that really showed when we were like, Three months away, it was after the uh, Christmas screening and we were coming out that next summer in 12, right? So this is the end of 2011. We would get, we got these notes back and it boiled down to the magic of the witch, the magic of the spell and more do seem as three separate things. How are they come together? That was the biggest confusion they didn't understand the mechanics of how that worked right so that's where i poured all my concentration into is make them one and the same story Mordu's story is meredith's story if meredith's story didn't succeed mom would have just turned and became a real bear right and that's a curse just like Mordu became a real bear he was cursed right it's the same story they both went to the fucking witch there's the connection of there, right? And then the story that the mother told about this brother that didn't go along with the family, you know, all that stuff. I put it all together so that legends were, you know, I just wove it and put it all together to make it make sense, you know, instead of being three different cool ideas, right? We had to have that. And that's what Pixar kind of adopted from, you know, going here, here on out. Right is, and that's how I look at getting getting notes. Is where's the confusion because that's the real. Awesome. Um, I I, I guess I just wanted to like move past to the incredible slight. Sure, let's and, go. Um, 
Um, you have a long working relationship with uh, Gennady Tarkovsky. Gennady Tarkovsky, yes. Gendy Tarkovsky. That double N throws people, but it's just a Gendy. It's a Russian N. Gendy Tarkovsky, yeah. So you worked on Samurai Jack and uh, Primal, and I just wanted to, any anything about him and those working experiences, because I yeah, am a big great. fan of him. Yeah, yeah. So Gendy and I met at CalArts. He was an underclassman. I was a sophomore. He was a, a freshman, right? So in comes this kid, you know, and he likes cartoons, you know. He was doing Dexter's Laboratory started at CalArts. It was one of his one of his final year films, and it's funny, you know, and he has that very, you know, cart- super cartoony, stylistic kind of uh, style, you know, which is completely different from my style. I'm, like, trying to do Frank Frazetta and Marvel's comics, you know, and, and again, lift and push and, and do my, you know, Katashiro Otomo and, you know, Masamune Shiro, you know, Appleseed and... and uh, uh, ghost in the shell that's what i'm trying to do right that's where my drawing style is and so completely different completely different and so when he was at cartoon network and he started samurai jack i remember him telling me what it was i'm all i bored some of this this sounds awesome right it's an action adventure thing about the samurai wandering around and in the, in the, in the distant future sign me up and so I did, right? Gendy would say, hey, we want to do this episode? And I'm all, yeah. So uh, he came up with the Scotsman, but I made the Scotsman. And it was a, it was supposed to be a joke because I'm Scottish, right? Um, so he was having fun with a, a machine gun peg leg and all that, you know. But it's pantomime. There's not a lot of dialogue in a Gendy Tartakovsky animated show, right? And it's because... Gendy understands the power of visual storytelling, and he's a visual storyteller, right? He has his style that I don't always agree with, you know, when it comes to, you know, cinema and camera moves and stuff like this. But 90% of what I do, what he does, hits on the same level, right? And again, it was TV, and he needed it fast, and I turned around this stuff really, really quickly. So I did five episodes for Gendy on that. And then Gendy got approached by George Lucas to do the animated 2D Clone Wars, right? Which were going right. to be bumpers, these little bumper pieces. Um, that's why it wasn't a, a real series, right? Um, they were just going to be bumpers in between shows to get people amped up about the next the next movie. And so he employed my brother and I to do them. So it was just me, Gendy and Brian coming up with ideas of what we wanted to see being star Wars fans. And we did it two seasons of that. So my brother and I boarded the whole first one, the 10 episodes. And then I got to do some on the, on the, on the second season, you know, as Gendy was getting more into now, I'm going to tell more of a coherent story that has these ins and outs and stuff like this versus just kind of episodes or happenings. But that was a blast. And that kicked off, the 3D animated Star Wars craze with Dave Filoni, right? So, um, and then when Gendy came around, I mean, I love, if, if all the listeners haven't seen uh, 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 Symbiotic Titan, see it, because it is the best thing ever. It was an amazing show, one season, and that was it. And it should have gone on forever because it was fantastic. Uh, my And my brother was one of the head you know, guys on that with, with Gendy knocking it out of the park. Um, and, 
And so, and then, so when Primal came along, and Gabe said, you want to do an episode? I'm all, of course I want to do an episode, right? So he's all, okay, I want this to be the most violent animated episode ever seen on TV. I'm all, you got it. And he had already worked out the story, what needed to happen, but it's very open-ended. He's all, this is this, and this is this, and this is this. And I'm all, okay, great. That's all I need. And I write the rest, right? I have an Emmy, thanks to Gendy, for Star Wars Clone Wars, right? Um, so he gives me, he trusts my storytelling skills, right? He knows that so he could be an audience member. He can look at it and dig it, you know, or not. He could be objective. And, and you know, it's, it's almost one and done with him. I do it. He may tweak a little bit here and there. You know, and and then it airs, and that's that. That's what taught me how to do stories because you get this instant feedback on TV, right? People watch and go, "I like the episode." I didn't like the episode. You know, you just go, "Whoa, whoa. okay, that's 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 real feedback," and it's faster than doing you know feature animated films. But so I turned in my storyboard, uh, you know, to to Gendy for my primal episode called Red Mist, and. <laughs> He had me pull it back because it was too violent. <laughs> so everybody, go watch Red Mist, and then I'll and then I'll someday catch up with me, and I'll show you what it, what it, what it really was. So he he pulled it back just a little bit because it was too much. Um, but that's I love working. I love working uh, with Gendon. You know, he, he he's he's like Brad as he has a vision. You know of of what the story and there's his his kind of style, and I'm just glad. Uh, our styles mesh, you know, and he, we have that same, you know, second hand. He goes, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I got you done. You know, and off I go. Or I say, I want to do this. And he goes, that's great. Give it to me. You know, that happens. So that's a, that's a rarity. So once you find it in the business, you're just attracted to it over and over and over, you know? Um, so this is based on sort of the frustration you expressed earlier about how you f- how, how just in the world animators are often pigeonholed into like G-rated material. And uh, when you are working on a G-rated project, is there, I'm sure this is among all, a lot of storyboard artists in general, but is there a way in particular that you are trying to like inject maturity into... Um, something designed for kids or are you just trying to make it like as elegant as possible to like elevate it or is it like is it through like this hidden jokes for the parents or if you know what I mean yeah yeah I mean at the end of the day I want to go watch it you know Uh, uh, so I I don't make things for an audience I make it for me I want to see it right and I think the, the, the fact that you know relatability for people <laughs> if i'm entertained everybody else and their brother and sister and mother and father are going to be entertained you know what i mean my particular taste may not fly for everybody but those that they do they're going to come see my stuff right and they're going to get 110 percent out of it so so yeah i'm i'm constantly pushing that envelope in animation i mean the incredibles opens up with a guy leaning out a car with a machine gun firing at a police yeah. That is and violent. A, and an attempted sh- suicide attempt. And an attempted suicide. We're shooting at kids. Everybody at Pixar was so fucking worried. You know, they're, oh my gosh, you're shooting at kids. They're, they've done Toy Story. There are no guns in Toy Story. No guns in Bugs Life, you know, Finding Nemo. There's that. 
it's a, it's a, you know, there are elements that come with baggage, right? And, and pain and agony has baggage. The threat of bodily harm has baggage that are incredible storytelling tools, right? And it's not just about your emotions, right? I'm jealous. Who cares, right? The guy, the gang member doesn't care if you're jealous, you know, that, that, you know, your girlfriend isn't as pretty as his girlfriend or who you are as a person. That guy's going to come over and he's going to crush you, right? Holy crap. Now we're in a story. How do I survive? Right? So those are the kind of stories that I'm, I'm, I want to tell that what I'm drawn to. And anytime that I could insert kind of these moments and get them to work, right? It's not like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge to the audience. It's never, it's never, it's never that. It's like, this would be cool here because it is, because it elevates it. It, it raises the stakes, you know, um, there's something more visceral, you know, and to me that that visceral feeling that you get that edge of the seat, that worry, right? That I'm scared for them, right? I am concerned, right? But Mr. Incredible's fighting the Omnidroid. You're kind of laughing at the design until it punches his arm and it cuts right through his suit and he's now bleeding. You're going, oh shit, dude. That C-note change is what I'm looking for all the time out of every scene, right? That's what you want and kids can take it. I know because I was a kid watching R-rated films. You know what I mean? I don't need to be pandered to. And that's the problem with the cinema today and animated for children and kids is these are opportunity written very. I don't know if anybody's read Grimm's fairy tales, but they're sadistic. They're not cute. And that's what the kids were reading back then in the day. Fairy tales are sadistic. You know why? So you can teach the kids about deception and betrayal. Right. That's what you need so they can be aware of when somebody's conning them or has ulterior motives, not here's Binky and Bobby and they get along and it's just funny and charming because they look so. You know what I mean? It's a disservice. The best compliment I got was when somebody came up to me and said, that bear was really scary. You made it really scary. My kid was had nightmares for a week. I'm all fucking good because you know what? I showed a child in a deep, dark hole getting attacked by a demon monster and get out on her own without her parents' help. So what does that tell the kid who sees that? I can get out of trouble on my own without the parents' help, right? It's giving them a sense of independence instead of keeping them protected. So that's that's my own, own vigil as I try to make stories in this kid's story world is I don't want to hold back. I don't want to, I don't want to put on gloves you know, and, and treat, treat the kids like they're delicate, delicate little angels, you know, it's let's tell them the truth as much as, as much as we can. Right. Yeah. Uh, Trent, do you think maybe it's time for a big kahuna final question or is there big kahuna final question? We've hit the big kahuna final question round players. Parth, I think it's time for the big kahuna final question. Yeah, yes, I saw it in your eyes, Trent. I saw it. I saw it. Yeah, so our Big question final um, question is just, what is the last great film you watched? And it can be a rewatch or a first-time viewing, but it has to be great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a trick question. Uh, good one. 
Ah, boy. What's the last great film that I just recently watched? And now I have to go through my index because I usually watch something and then throw it away. I, I didn't know I was going to be asked this. You know, I didn't know there was going to be a test. What were we just watching? I was just watching something with the family that we'd seen, you know, that we always go back to. You know, we have our family faves that we always go back to. And it's just, it's just, oh, <laughs> it's going to be so weird. Weird, weird answer. Talladega Nights. I love wow. that movie. It is so, so good. It's so funny. It is not a cinematic wonder, you know, at, at all, to say, to say the least. But it's a it's a it's a fantastic movie because the timing, the characters, the editing, the the ad libbing that they do, and finding the choices, choices stuff, and be able to tell a story that that is you feel for the guy. He was he had a misconception that he grew up with his entire life, you know, and he had to find who the real him was. You know, it's a it's a great heartfelt, you know, with. <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen pretending to be French. <laughs> Highlander, I saw your Highlander. It is sheet. I mean, it's how do you? It is fantastic. It is. I I haven't laughed so hard, you know. Uh, uh, and so that's the most recent great film. It was just on. My wife was flipping through the channels. We were in Chicago for my son's. Uh, he's out of freshman in college out there. His first spring break. So we went out there and. We were just standing up and she was flipping through watching and we land on top of the and watch the rest of it from wherever it was in, you know, and if that, pa- that, pa- if you're doing that, that passes the great, the great test, you know, that if it comes on, you cannot not turn it off. You have to watch it. You know, I, I know that Christopher Nolan uh, said that it's one of his favorite films. So if it's see, good enough for Nolan, see, you know, see, it is hilarious. It is deadly, deadly funny. The whole baby Jesus at the at the dinner table, them saying prayer is just classic. Another great one he was in that has the same kind of thing that is now our new family favorite is Eurovision, the song of the fire, the fire and ice saga. I haven't laughed so hard since I saw Talladega Nights. It is hilarious. It has that same heart done incredibly well, you know, and and as funny as all get out. So if nobody. Totally missed and overlooked because it didn't come out in theaters, but it it should have. It was it was amazing. Great job, everybody, who did that. Will Ferrell and Rachel Adams. I mean, she is a funny, funny lady, and she doesn't get to do that <laughs> do that enough. You know, she's the straight straight man to Will Ferrell's. You know, off the, off the hook. You know, comedy comedy gold. Those two. That was great. Everybody was fantastic. So that was that was one. Um, Speaking of Christopher Nolan, his finest film that I think is his masterpiece um, is The Prestige, right? Whenever that's on, I cannot not watch that whole thing, you know? Um, yeah. I feel like so it's many, the sleeper so hit in his It is. It absolutely is. I had a chance to meet Hugh Jackman, and I mm. told him that to his face, you know? Wow. He gave me a big big hug, you know? And cause it meant... It, meant a lot to him. And I also told him that real steel was a fucking amazing film that, that just got looked over and I want my real steel too. Now, you know, with him in it, I, I direct the shit out of that, but uh, I mean, what a great, great, great film, you know, uh, you know, parent and child 
you know, story, just like Brave was. Um, this was father and son, but parent and child, it was really uh, emotional. And what a great world. Ro- gigantic robot cyborgs battling it out. I mean, that's as anime as you can possibly get, you know. Uh, it was fantastic with that. Um, what did I just see? Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, I loved. That was fantastic. Genius film, and those guys just got to do whatever they wanted, you know, and there, that doesn't happen often. You're just kind of left alone, that kind of low budget indie kind of thing. And they just said, fuck it. And they did stuff that they wanted to do, you know, and that's, that's honesty that I think is missing from a lot of films out there. It suddenly gets too studioized and everybody has their input because it needs to make a certain amount of gazillion dollars. I mean, look at all these superhero movies that are failing, you know, uh, uh, you know, Ant Man, yeah. you're right, Shazam 2, Black Adam, you know, sorry guys, I love you all who work on those movies and are in those movies, but some the honesty that the 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 I'm not even going to call it integrity, the genuineness, right? Of I just want to tell a good story is totally blindsided by it needs to be a huge amount of hit because we're putting a lot of money in this, right? Bamboozle people out of their, their, their cash, right? Versus something like everywhere all the time. Yeah, we, we got to Most talk to... Once. We got to talk to the cinematographer of that movie. Awesome. And, uh, what a great also, job. Yeah, Just seemed, so, seemed really so cool. inventive. So inventive and great, you know? Um, so I like that one. I, I even thought... Um, uh, it's more subdued, but uh, The Banshees of Inishirin is excellent. That was a fantastic movie that really got me. Um, what a simple story. And he's and he's a playwright. So there's a quality to his stuff, you know, like in Bruges and his other movies that this, if you haven't seen his plays, go see his plays. Uh, the Lieutenant of Inishirin and then uh, The Ferryman and all of his plays. They have that great quality where it catches you off guard. It's very simple stories, but they catch you off guard. It was such a great, a great message, you know, a more complex issue that he's he's kind of tackling. And then I loved uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. I thought that was masterful. You know, it was uh, just a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant version of it. You know, uh, I'm glad they did it. <laughs> you know, and updated it. To now, I mean, it needed it need to be up here with the Saving Private Bryans and Platoons and, you know, the great war movies that we have, you know, you know since, the, since the 80s, right? The 2000s. Yeah. Um, I'm, thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Mark Andrews. Uh, he's worked on such projects as Samurai Jack and the Iron Giant and Brave, for which he won the Academy Award. And he was head of story for our film today, Brad Bird's The Incredibles. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Make every, everybody make sure you go and watch Super Giant Robot Brothers on Netflix and get me a second season, gang. Come on, yes, we can please. do it. We, we can do it. <laughs> What an interview. What an interview. This is this is it for us and Mark Andrews, at least for the time being. 
Yeah, maybe we'll have him on in the future when he's working on one of his many cool projects that he told us before and after the interview, um, which you would just have to talk with us in person to maybe find out what he was talking about. But maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see if you're cool, you know, if you can hang. Ha -ha. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think this is one of our better interviews. Yeah, ab absolutely. Uh, good enough and long enough to break up into three parts and buy us a month of time to postpone getting additional interviews, which now, after next week, we officially need to scramble and do. Yes. Not not, not to put ourselves under a spotlight, but... Yeah, we don't... We, we here at uh, Craft Services have been sort of running f uh, by the seat of our pants. Um, running on fumes? Yes. I um, feel like it, 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 ha it ebbs and flows with how prepared slash panicked we are. But I think... For the listeners, there's been no, yeah, no, no, no hiccup. Um, yeah, when was the last time we took a break? I don't even remember. I, I feel, I mean, we'd have to scroll through our Spotify release dates, but I feel yeah. like I, I feel like the more recent and more realistic thing is probably the the most recent problem was like me not editing on a Sunday and releasing it on like a Monday or Tuesday. But that's just a minor inconvenience for the fans at home. Not having to wait a full week. Now that's basically torture. I don't know. Like, I can't... Like I can't remember the last time we took, like, a break. You know? Sorry, did you like the yawn? Remember when we took a month break? Yeah, we did that last year. I can't... I can't remember what prompted it. Were we gathering interviews? Yeah, what was happening was that was over winter break. And so we were like, we just won't release some of the interviews we have lined up. We'll take three weeks off. And during that, we got, or I think our first thing back was the Scott Pilgrim interview, which was mm. also split into three parts. Yeah, that was when we had, like, or you had, rather, it was, I was, sh it was shared with me, though. Uh, like, the Google Sheets of, like, like the whole year in advance. I still use that um, with movies that I think I'd like to cover. Um, but, yeah. There's, let's just say, there's been some interviews I've tried very hard to get to kind of no avail. But I am confident we will have something for you guys. Something. Something. We, 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 we've always scraped something together in the past. But we will definitely have an episode for you next week because we will be discussing our movie of the last three weeks, The Incredibles. I'm, I'm super excited. I'm very excited. We should watch The, the Incredibles together. Mm, the fans at home, you can find it. On uh, on Disney Disney Plus, Plus or yeah. Parts Voodoo account, or or you can just ask Parth for his iTunes information and just get you know and just carry that shit around with you for the rest of your life. Yeah, Parth, it'll be like when you were like three when we're watching the scene where they like break into the jewelry store. Ugh. freeze. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess that's it, huh? I guess that's it. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, question mark, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Craft Services Pod. Uh, if I seem to be losing parts interest. If, uh, if you, it's his birthday, he can do whatever he wants. Um, you're going to want to give us a five-star review, maybe write something nice as well. Even four stars would be fine. Um, is there anything I'm missing? 
No, I think you've covered it all. Um, thank you so much for listening and for listening the past two weeks and this week and just for listening in general uh, to all of our fans and listeners. We work really hard. We try to put out a good product for you and we appreciate those of you that turn up. Thank you so much to Mark Andrews. Very nice man. We can finally send him an email saying all the episodes are out. Um, and you can catch us next week. No? You can catch us next week, and God willing, hopefully the week after that, and uh, let's end the episode like that. Yeah. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, Parth. Uh, well, I'll, uh. see you, I'll see you in Seattle, if you know what I mean. <laughs> okay.